Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to Black History Unveiled with me, Amat Levine. The podcast where we spotlight pivotal moments, influential figures, and groundbreaking movements from black history, from the continent to the diaspora. I just finished the two-part series on the transatlantic slave trade. As we wait for the next main episode, I wanted to share a shorter episode that exemplifies something I've touched on before. Listeners of this podcast will recall I often caution against the but what about them or they did it too rhetoric in discussions on slavery. While this may seem abstract, I have a recent real-world illustration of how this manifests. A few weeks ago, I released a minisode called The Dutch Apology for Slavery. I didn't include much of my own opinion in the episode, I basically just covered last year's Dutch apology for the country's role in transatlantic slavery. The episode covered the background leading to this apology and the spectrum of reactions it stirred, from those welcoming it as overdue to skeptics questioning its necessity to critics deeming it inadequate. I noted that several countries haven't made similar apologies, and how the Dutch gesture might pressure these nations to finally do it. I also wrote about this in an article published in Sweden's biggest newspaper. It was met with some strange but at the same time expected reactions. This is my 14th year as a journalist, so I've become quite used to a certain type of text attracting a predictable backlash. Days after publication, another Swedish newspaper ran a rebuttal, criticizing me for having demanded a Swedish apology for the slave trade. Although there has been debate on this issue, my text and the podcast episode simply stated that the Dutch apology might influence other involved nations. It was an observation, not a demand. That the writer, despite this, reacted so strongly, 
underscores the sensitivity and volatility of the subject. But in his criticism, he also wrote something that exemplifies whataboutism. He argued that discussing apologies for slavery is ahistorical, essentially asking, where do we draw the line? Lots of states have committed gross abuses throughout history. He questioned why Europe in particular should atone or compensate for historical wrongs, suggesting a bias against the continent, Westerners or white people. To underscore that non-Europeans have also been guilty of horrors, he wrote, quote, Few people know it, but there were more Europeans shipped as slaves to North Africa than Africans shipped to the United States. End quote. Again, more Europeans were shipped as slaves to North Africa than there were Africans shipped to the United States. Like, wow, that sounds truly remarkable. And what's more, statistically, with a high probability, it's probably true. At least if you word it in a very specific way. If you only focus on Africans shipped to the United States and don't include their descendants who until emancipation were born into slavery there. But as I keep reminding you, it's crucial to scrutinize the comparisons made between different forms of slavery and the intentions behind them. Statistics can easily be manipulated to serve dishonest narratives. Let's break it down. When you talk about Europeans enslaved in Africa, chances are you're referring to slavery on the so-called Barbary Coast. This coast consisted of the northern parts of today's Libya, Tunisia and Algeria, which were then all provinces within the Ottoman Empire, as well as Morocco, an independent kingdom. Between the 16th and 19th centuries, Muslim pirates had their bases along this coast, and from here they ventured out into the Mediterranean and attacked non-Muslim ships and coastal areas. Affected regions include present-day Italy, the Canary Islands, England, the Netherlands, and Ireland, but also places as far north as Iceland. During these attacks, the Muslims kidnapped their victims, and the goal was usually to get a ransom to return those captured to their families or homelands for a price. But quite a few were also taken as slaves and could, for example, be forced to row large ships. This is what's known as galley slaves. The figures on how many Europeans were taken are notoriously murky, because these pirates didn't keep records. The highest figure usually cited is 1.25 million Europeans, and it comes from historian Robert C. Davis, who in 2003 
published the book Christian Slaves, Muslim Masters. But again, with a lack of reliable numbers, Davis has worked with estimates, and there is no consensus on his calculations. Other historians, such as Peter Earle, who published Corsairs of Malta and Barbary in 1970 and wrote The Pirate Wars in 2003, argue that the numbers are significantly lower. The English professor Nabil Matar, who published British Captives from the Mediterranean to the Atlantic in 2014, also believes in lower numbers. But even when accepting Davis's high estimate of 1.25 million, the critics' comparison, more Europeans enslaved in North Africa than Africans enslaved in the United States, oversimplifies and misleads. Firstly, slavery on the Barbary Coast was part of the seemingly eternal struggle between Muslim and Christian kingdoms around the Mediterranean. During this struggle, Christian kingdoms also took Muslim slaves. The Knights of the Order of St. John is one example, who from their base in Malta in the Mediterranean enslaved Muslims. The fact that North Africans took European slaves thus had little to do with Europeans enslaving West and Central Africans. But the comparison's biggest fault is how it is phrased. Why this focus on the United States? As we talked about in the last episode, it is estimated today that roughly 12.5 million Africans were enslaved as part of the transatlantic slave trade. But of them, only about 400,000 came to the United States, which is less than 4% of the total trade. 96% of the Africans were taken to other places, such as Brazil and the Caribbean. But the writer making the comparison is silent about that. Why? If you want to compare it with the transatlantic trade, why not compare it with the entire transatlantic trade? Why only compare it with a fraction, 4% of it? The answer is obviously because it wouldn't support the political narrative the writer was trying to create. If the entire slave trade is taken into account, the neat wording about more Europeans going to Africa than Africans going to the United States falls flat, because it is, of course, impossible to say more Europeans to Africa than Africans to America. And these are precisely the kinds of things I mean when I talk about people's agendas when it comes to discussing slavery. People who make these kinds of skewed comparisons do not do them because they are genuinely curious and honestly want to compare different historical phenomena. They do it because they have a political agenda. In this example, the agenda is to try to make people believe that Europeans trading in African slaves during the transatlantic era was not that bad or that whatever they did is somewhat okay because Europeans were subjected to much of the same thing, and that other perpetrators were significantly worse. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Conspicuously, these comparisons often arise precisely when discussing transatlantic slavery, rarely otherwise, indicating a whataboutism aimed at downplaying the scale and brutality of the transatlantic variant. Not even Robert Davis, the historian many refer to when they draw parallels between these types of slavery, tries to deny the much larger scale of transatlantic slavery. In addition to the gigantic difference in the number of victims between slavery across the Atlantic and that on the Barbary Coast, one also needs to note how these two types of slavery differed. It's something I constantly repeat, that slavery is always wrong, but that not all kinds of slavery looks the same. On the Barbary Coast, for example, slavery wasn't racially motivated. Europeans were not considered to be slaves by nature, as opposed to black Africans who during the transatlantic slave trade were. Nor was the aim to amass a colossal workforce for plantations and mines. Often, the goal of capturing Europeans was to obtain a ransom, as we said. This was not the case in the transatlantic trade, where the Africans and their descendants were generally considered condemned to an eternity of slavery. The enslaved Europeans could also choose to convert to Islam, and thus improve their situation somewhat. Some of the Europeans who did so went to sea to find more Europeans to kidnap. One of several examples is Dutch John Johnson, who was born in the 1570s. He was captured at Lanzarote in 1618 and, after conversion, became one of the more famous Barbary pirates. Again, this kind of conversion was not something the Africans enslaved in the Americas had a chance at. In addition, the Muslim slave raids were much more sporadic, and they didn't set up slave forts in Europe, which century after century emptied the population. Besides, focusing solely on Africans imported to the Americas also ignores the many, many millions born into slavery there over the centuries. 
I could go on and on about why this comparison is made in bad faith, but I think you get the point. As I always say, and as I want to emphasize once more, slavery is by definition something reprehensible. And my point is not that the Europeans who were enslaved by the Barbary pirates escaped violence or had tolerable lives. They were exposed to a lot of horrors. But the differences I just mentioned, the enormous number of enslaved, the view of the enslaved as cattle, and the industrial scale of it all, are all crucial to understanding why transatlantic slavery stands out as much as it does. And that's also why it's so extensively studied and remembered. It has profoundly shaped our world in ways that Barbary Coast slavery didn't. Those who try their hand at this form of whataboutism also often try to claim that discussions on enslaved Europeans are censored or ignored. But while I agree that the transatlantic variant gets more attention, which, as I said, has to do with the extent and the way it changed the world, I do not at all agree that the enslavement of Europeans is something that is not researched or written about. There are, for example, the books I have already mentioned, such as Corsairs of Malta and Barbary and The Pirate Wars by Peter Earle, or British Captives from the Mediterranean to the Atlantic by Nabil Matar, in addition to Christian Slaves, Muslim Masters, Robert Davis has written the follow-up book Holy War and Human Bondage, Tales of Christian-Muslim Slavery in the Early Modern Mediterranean. Then, there is also White Women Captives in North Africa by Khalid Bekawi, Captives by Linda Colley, and the famous White Gold by Giles Milton. So, the enslavement of Europeans is definitely written about, and if you want to talk about or draw attention to it, you are free to do so. I just wish more people could do it without detracting from the scale or devastation of the transatlantic variant. Alright, that's it for this week. I'll be back next week with a new main episode. If you like this podcast, please consider subscribing to it on patreon.com slash blackhistoryunveiled. It helps me immensely. And in return, you get access to ad-free episodes, maps and pictures, bonus episodes, and more. You can also find me on Instagram. My handle there is Black History Unveiled. I would also be very happy if you would consider, I don't know, writing a review or giving it a rating on your podcast app. Whichever one you prefer works. I'll see you guys next week. Peace. of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. 
Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.